But the doctoral consortium and the opportunities that were provided there really cemented what became, you know, what I'm doing now. Welcome to Solar Spotlight, Conversations on Learning Analytics. This podcast series is produced by SOLAR, the Society for Learning Analytics Research, to engage the wider community with leading research, practice, and key issues in learning analytics. My name is Maren Scheffel, and I'm your host for this episode. Today's episode is all about SOLAR's doctoral consortium, or actually about some of the people who have participated in the doctoral consortium in previous years. The doctoral consortium, also called DC, takes place at the LAC conference every year. The DC brings together doctoral students from a variety of disciplines working on topics related to learning analytics. The consortium chairs serve as a mentor panel to provide feedback, and DC participants are given opportunities to present, discuss, and receive feedback on their research in an interdisciplinary and supportive atmosphere. And so today we ask the question, where are they now? I talked to three former DC attendees about their DC experience, Andrew Gibson, Angelique Kritzinger, and Scott Harrison. Let's start with the first one. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and your background? Hi, I'm uh, Andrew Gibson. I'm recently become an academic. When I say recently, I started my PhD in 2012, 2013, and um, conferred in 2017. And uh, my first connection with the learning analytics community was, was around 2014, 2015. My research as a... Um, student with my PhD was in analysing reflective writing using computational approaches to analyse reflective writing. And at the time, I was interested in the reflective writing of pre-service teachers and also early career teachers. So I was involved with a project just prior to my PhD, doing some um, sort of computational research assistance work, uh, where we were interested in following up early career teachers who were struggling in, you know, their, their early years. So I was involved with this project back then, which led me to sort of think about how can we encourage these teachers to talk about their experiences, to reflect on their daily experiences, and then, and then how can we sort of capture that remotely? These sort of teachers were out in rural areas and, and we couldn't... Um, easily connect with them from a research point of view. So how could we capture their reflective thinking? How could we go about sort of analysing that? And can we could we bring the sort of um, computational power to help? So as a result, I started um, a PhD in this space to sort of investigate it further, uh, doing it at QUT, Queensland University of Technology, which is in Australia. Yeah, I, I spent the time doing that. And, and pretty much since then, I've continued that work. I spent um, a couple of years at a post-PhD in Sydney um, with um, Simon Buckingham at the um, Connected Intelligence Centre at um, UTS, um, doing reflective writing analytics there as well, writing software to help analyse more formal academic reflections. And then I moved back to QUT in um, 2018 and took up a, a lecturing position there and I'm still at QT now. Great, you already answered some of my follow-up questions. 
um, which would have been where you did your PhD and what was your topic. So when did you participate in the um, doctoral consortium at LAC and how was your experience about that? Okay, so my, my supervisor at QUT was Kirsty Kiddo and, and Kirsty had attended LAC back in 2014. She was really impressed with the community and, and also with the sort of potential for research in this space. And it was a good fit with the research that I was doing. So she encouraged me to apply for the doctoral consortium in 2015. I was accepted to that. And I also wrote another paper that year. So I had a DC um, presentation plus a, plus a poster presentation. It was, a, it was a really awesome introduction to the learning analytics community. And how was your experience with the DC in particular? The DC was was great in lots of respects. I really didn't know what to expect because I hadn't been involved in anything like this before. And, you know, I sort of coming to academia late in life, there are a number of experienced mentors. Simon Buckinghamshire was one of them. And I think that's what started our conversation about reflective writing analytics was, was at that doctoral consortium. So cer certainly from the point of view of starting a conversation with an experienced researcher about a sort of a new, um, subfield of learning analytics that was invaluable as well as that I, I met other people and, and because of the sort of concentrated nature there wasn't a lot of students I think there might have been five or six of us and each of us presented and there was at least three mentors I think yeah and and then the conversation it, it was a really good conversation starter and it was also a good way of sort of beginning connections with other people who were new to the field and who were starting off in the field and and, and that's been terrific. Would you recommend other students to apply for the DC? And if yes, at what stage of a PhD journey would you recommend that they apply to it to most benefit from it? Absolutely. I would encourage students to apply. In terms of where they're at, I guess it depends on their particular project. If they're part of a solid learning analytics project with other researchers, then it's quite possible that they'll get lots of learning analytics support early on, in which case, you know, they might be able to sort of have meaningful participation reasonably early on in their PhD journey. If they're like, in my situation, I wasn't part of a lab at all. I was just an individual researcher. So I didn't have any kind of network or connections with other people you know I sort of went to it midway through the PhD process and I think it was good to have had enough done enough of my research that I really knew what I was on about but not so much that I couldn't sort of change direction because I think I think the DC did did help me sort of push more in a learning analytics direction when I first started my research it wasn't a learning analytics project I was interested in the reflective writing I was interested in sort of comprehensive aspects of that but it was sort of I think initially the project started off as like um, computational analysis of effect or emotion in text that kind of thing and I think what the lack experience and particularly the doctoral consortium experience gave me is it sort of said oh okay there's there's more people out there who might be interested in this than just me and connecting with those people networking with those people And it's kind of helpful to know that you're not alone. So it was a kind of exciting place to be. I, I like being a part of new things um, more <laughs> than established things, just my personality. So it was kind of fun to be part of, a, you know, a fresh new thing. And then, you know, with the reflective writing analytics it was kind of fresh new thing within a fresh new thing, you know what I mean? So, Double yeah, fresh. fresh. 
<laughs> so uh, when uh, I think you said this before, but I'm not sure. When did you finish your PhD? So you attended the DC in 15, but when did you actually finish your PhD? So yeah, I actually I kind of um, we we the Australian system we um, we have a final seminar that is not a defence, but it's like a formative feedback prior to submission your thesis submitting your thesis. So I didn't actually finish and submit the thesis until <clears throat> the end of 2016. And it was conferred um, midway through 2017. Um, you touched a little bit on that earlier, but I'm still um, going to ask uh, it again, maybe to get a bit more. Um, so what do you do at the moment right now? And is that still related to what you did in your PhD? Yeah, I'm, I'm employed um, by the Information Systems School at QUT and I teach um, data analytics into the into a master's of IT and into a bachelor's of IT but that's a very they're very general data analytics subjects they're not really learning analytics specific but but research wise yeah I'm still working in the area of reflective writing analytics I work with informal reflective writing and not all of the people writing the reflections are um, students and um, the software I'm using is software written called Going OK, where they actually just sort of put themselves on a scale from distressed to soaring with Going OK in the middle. And then they write just whatever they want. They can write as short or as long as they want. So there's no structure to it. It's not heavily scaffolded like the academic one. Part of what I'm trying to do is develop a robust computational framework that we can use for in different projects to achieve different um, ends, but all the time bringing sort of computational power to the analytics side of things to, to better understand what's going on here. So when we talk about it as learning analytics, obviously these teachers are learning about assessment and as researchers, we're learning about the teachers learning about assessment. But as well as that, because this is an informal software, often, often the um, authors of the reflections are just learning about themselves. And the idea is to sort of bring analytics to the, you know, into the process to help that process of learning by themselves. And ultimately, obviously, help them to reflect more and to reflect with sort of more depth in a, that is more beneficial to them. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Cool. So one last question. Are you currently involved in the LAC or solar community in any way? And if not, do you plan to do so? Unfortunately, I haven't been to a LAC since Sydney uh, for various reasons, um, the most recent being COVID. <laughs> last year but um, I uh, ha have continued to be involved as a reviewer for LAC and also this coming LAC I'm involved in running a workshop with um, Pablo from uh, um, Flinders University in Australia we're going to run a, um, a, a workshop on the philosophy of learning analytics for people who are interested Ooh, in the that sounds cool. in philosophy. Yeah. yeah. To answer the second part of your question, yes, I'm keen to still stay involved and, and hopefully become a bit more involved in the future. I'm hoping that at QUT we can actually start to get a small community of learning analytics researchers together and, and hopefully that'll allow us to sort of run some more local things in learning analytics and also obviously then bring that and connect that in with the sort of international community as part of SOLAR. Oh, wonderful. So um, thanks again. Perfect. And here is our second guest. 
Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Um, I'm Angelique Ritzener from South Africa. A uh, little bit about my background. I have a um, degree in genetics. My further postgraduate training was in plant science. And then, then I switched over to science education um, with a learning analytics slant when I started doing my PhD. Where did you do your PhD and what was your PhD topic? Um, so I did my PhD at the University of Pretoria in um, South Africa, and my PhD topic was about self-regulated learning and using learning analytics to see how students self-regulate in a blended learning environment. And how did you come to get to that PhD topic? Um, I, at the moment, I teach a very, very large um, introductory first year biology class at the University of Pretoria, where I work. And I decided that I would like to do my PhD on how learning works within that class. And um, the class has an excess of 1,500 students a semester. So it is a really large class. And we want to see um, what in the class that we do with the students actually helps them attain success at the end of the day. And because it was such a large group, it ended up then being a very large um, quantitative study at the end of the day. So that's how I came about the topic, because I teach it and because we wanted to find out what actually works at the end of the day. Nice. Um, when did you participate in the doctoral consortium at LAC and how was your experience? Uh, I was there in 2016, the year they had it in Edinburgh. Um, I think it was the first year they actually had it in Europe. And it was such an interesting experience because there's so many different fields of study um, at that specific consortium or the symposium. It was enriching to see how you can use methods over different disciplines. And um, that was my second year of my PhD, so I was still fairly early on. So I got so much very interesting and very good feedback that my project switched from being a mixed method study to all learning analytics after that consortium, which was which was great. And I still use the stuff that I learned there to this day. Oh, that's nice. Very, very nice. Would you recommend other students to also apply for the DC? And if yes, at what stage of a PhD journey do you think they should apply to benefit the most from it? I think I would definitely um, recommend people apply for that because it was very enriching. And I um, was at the start of my study, so I found it very helpful with all the input that I got because I basically had my proposal done and was on the verge of data collection. So for me, it was very interesting to get that feedback about how to go about getting the correct data, using the right data at the end of the day. So if, if I had to choose, I would say um, early enough so that you can get feedback but late enough so that you know what you want to do. And when in the end did you finish your PhD? Uh, I finished my PhD at the end of 2018. Yeah, because I was doing it part-time, so it took a while. So what do you do now? And is that still related to what you did in your PhD? Um, so at the moment, I after I got my PhD, I got a full-time post at the university where I did my PhD. So I'm... Um, I'm employed as a lecturer. I still teach that subject that I did my PhD on. I just now have added responsibilities. So I have 
another fairly large first year class in the plant science department where I work. And I still do education research and I still do basic learning analytics um, with a little bit added extra. Mm-hmm. Are you currently involved in the LAC or also the solar community in any way or do you plan to do so? Um, I'm not currently involved because I'm still trying to get my my research going, but I do plan to to do learning analytics and those types of study when I get going um, this year. So part of my, my research is going to be a fairly large learning analytics study, but I'm not currently involved in solar or any of the lack things. Is there anything you want to add or anything that you, that you um, think is important for people to know um, in relation to your DC experience? I, I really do find that the, um, these doctoral consortium, especially that one was, was, you know, it was so well done that it was stuff that you could use even after you finished your your study and everything related to that. That was really nice. I just found very interesting that what you, like when you look at where you work at the first instance, you wouldn't think well, that is something related to learning analytics, but it just shows again that it's a very interdisciplinary field and that um, yeah. that it's it's it just pops up anywhere and that it's important for, for any sort of yeah. Uh, education. Yeah, at the, at the moment, I'm kind of um, not the sole, but, you know, one of very few biology education researchers in my faculty. And everyone is just like, oh, we want to, we know, we want to know a little bit about this. And I'm the only one that can do those kind of stats, because in life sciences, you do different stats. And, you know, the learning analytics has a very kind of interesting way of doing things that... I'm, I'm about the one that does it, which is really interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Then, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you again for, for doing this. Thanks very much. Okay. Have a And fantastic day. You too. And now we move on to our final guest. To start off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Hi, yeah, my name's Dr. Scott Harrison. I'm originally from Australia, but I'm now currently living and working in Germany at the Leibniz Institute for Research and Information in Education, or commonly known as DIP. My background and my PhD was on student retention and looking at it from a microeconometrics background, focused mostly on what are the main factors that affect student retention, but also how effective was a program that had been implemented at my host institution or my university at the time as to how well it impacted on student retention. Where did you do your PhD and uh, can you explain your topic a little bit more? Yeah, certainly. I did my PhD at the University of New England in Armidale, New South Wales. And the topic, to give you an idea, my background is actually more from an economics and statistics point of view. And at the point in time, uh, Dr. Grace Lynch was working at the University of New England um, in consultation with our learning analytics uh, or learning hub, I guess is a good way of putting it. I forget the technical name now. The opportunity came up to work with Grace and my economics uh, professor at the time, Dr. Well, now Professor Renee Villano, on a topic on student retention. And importantly, the University of New England started around 2009, but the program really got implemented around 2011. 
was an early alert system for supporting and directing student support for students deemed at risk. So this was a rules-based early alert system that was designed to really help direct that student support into what was deemed as sort of the most appropriate spaces. And uh, my research topic and, and PhD was really focused on how well did the system function and how well or was there any sort of significant effect associated with this on the student retention. I have to articulate as well that the, the system itself was never designed for student retention. It was just to design or was designed with the intent of supporting students. But there was obviously then possibly going to be a link there to student retention. And that's really where my uh, PhD focused. When did you participate in the doctoral consortium at LAC and how was your experience? So I participated in the doctoral consortium in 2015. So this was in when uh, LAC was held in Poughkeepsie, uh, upstate New York, and um, lots of snow. <laughs> so from an experience perspective, that itself was, was a, a pretty uh, fun and fascinating thing for me as a, as a country bumpkin from Australia. But I found the experience to be absolutely invigorating intellectually to have the opportunity to sit down. I, I'm just trying to remember exactly. Uh, I think we had four professors as a part of the, the sort of advisory team um, and being able to be in a small close-knit group working together, it, it provided a very good opportunity for me um, to get external feedback on my PhD work at that point in time. Beginning of 2015, I was sort of into that final year of my PhD. So I was able to present sort of fairly advanced ideas and concepts and, and work that I'd already sort of had up to date. And bringing that to the doctoral consortium meant that I was getting very good quality, high level reviews of, of the work and, and uh, actually helped, I would say, push my PhD thesis to the next level for what was going to be submitted later on that year. So would you recommend other students to also apply for the DC? And if yes, at what stage of a PhD journey do you think they should apply to benefit most from it? Uh, I, I 100% uh, suggest, you know, everyone applies for it um, if you get the opportunity. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to get, as I said, that external peer review feedback mechanism. I mean, it's, it's kind of like taking peer review that you would get on, say, a journal paper, but it's now face-to-face -face and you're presenting it to a stranger. Um, so you have to be able to explain things in a very basic way and get them on board to your ideas and concepts and then develop it from there. And I think how, at least from my perspective and my experience, I would say the more developed your idea is, I would suggest this is something you want to be doing about halfway through to maybe two thirds of the way through your PhD. And the reason is, is because I think if you go to something like a doctoral consortium too early, you're still maybe in an ideas collection phase where you're still just trying to consolidate what you're working on. I think you're going to get the most out of the doctoral consortium when you've already got a lot of things cemented, you have a very good understanding, say, for instance, of the literature, but maybe you need that external feedback to really hone uh, the, the research and the studies that you're working on. So I think if you've got something already put together, I would say definitely maybe towards that second or third year of, of your PhD would be sort of the ideal point in time. Mm -hmm. When did you finish your PhD? So I finished my PhD technically on paper. It's, it's it, at the sort of towards the end of 2016. That's when the graduation happened. But I actually submitted my PhD um, for the review process on the 23rd of November 
2015. So around about seven months, eight months after the doctoral consortium. Um, what do you do now? And is that related to what you did in your PhD project? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's absolutely no way of escaping how related it is now. So my work at the moment is really focused on, uh, we call it the, the mode effects study. So this is looking at the transformation of assessments from a, a pencil and paper based form of assessment to a digital assessment. And in my particular work, I'm currently focused on the PISA study. So this is actually moving a little bit away from the university student retention problem working more at um, assessment and large-scale assessments of, you know, sort of high school students. But the doctoral consortium and the opportunities that were provided there really cemented what became, you know, what I'm doing now, uh, partly because I think it was actually through the doctoral consortium that I, I met one uh, Alan Berg in the, in the car park on a snowy morning after we missed a bus. And through that conversation started that led me directly on the path to, to moving to Germany, uh, initially on a, on a postdoc and then, well, life is so <laughs> here in Germany. Nice. Are you still active uh, in the solar and lacquer community or are you currently involved in that community in any way or do you plan to do so? I, I think I would like to get back into it. I think it's a good way of putting it. I was a little bit more active before, but the, the move to Germany, uh, I think, moved me sort of also out of some of my initial networks that I'd established there. But most of my work at the moment is, is very much focused on large-scale assessments and psychometrics, but the learning analytics dimension is definitely still very interesting. And one of the sort of nice dimensions of, of our institute um, that I'm working for, especially in the Center for Technology-Based Assessment, Professor Goldhammer, who, I, who I'm working under, um, is also working with Hendrik Drescher. And Hendrik is also part of, obviously, the Learning Analytics and, and Solar Group. And we have an interest, at least within our immediate uh, research group, to sort of keep learning analytics and I'm now coming at it from the psychometric side of things, of, of blending these two together. So, yeah, I definitely have a strong interest of, of getting back uh, more, more strongly involved, I think, in the learning analytics side of things, perhaps after my current research project is finished. Great. Thank you very much. That was already <laughs> it. <laughs> That's it? All right. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> at the end of our episodes, we always play a game with our guests called Two Truths and a Lie. This time, instead of asking all three of my guests for two truths and a lie, I have collected only one statement from each of them. But of course, only two of those statements are true. Before we listen to them, however, here are the answers from the last episode, where Elizabeth Coe and Ruth Crick played the game. First statement is, I play the cello. The second statement is, growing up, I wanted to become an environmentalist. And the third statement is, my wardrobe is organized according to first in, last out. Ah, oh, okay. In 1984, I lived through and survived a cholera epidemic is my first one. My second one is in 1991, I worked with a peer in the House of Lords to write an amendment to an education bill, which went through into law. So every school in the UK has to report on the spiritual, moral, social and cultural development of its students. And the third one is, in 2011, I was Photographer of the Year for the Amateur Photographer Society. The first statement was uh, playing the cello, and that was the lie. I play the bass guitar, not the cello. 
The second uh, is about growing up wanting to be an environmentalist. And I think it turned full circle because now one of my projects is to do with geographical investigation. So I'm like, in a sense, doing a bit of environmental work right now together with the teachers in, in the projects. So that's mm. great. And the last statement was about how organized my wardrobe is uh, first in and last out. It's true. Living through a cholera epidemic was true. Helping to write legislation for the spiritual, moral, social and cultural development of students in the UK was true. And Amateur Photographer of the Year in 2014 was a lie. And here are the statements from Andrew, Angelique and Scott. I have a mild allergy to really well matured cheeses. The super strong smell um, seems to cause me to sneeze and affects my sinuses. I have two children with the genetic disorder polydactyly. I got to have afternoon tea with the deputy governor of Arkansas, who was Winthrop Rockefeller, and we had a wonderful conversation about game fishing. Who do you think told the lie? Andrew, Angelique or Scott? Thank you for listening to Solar Spotlight, conversations on learning analytics. If you don't want to miss any episodes, subscribe to our podcast. You can find all available episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Also, look out for the upcoming webinar from Solar. It will be on the topic of measurement of learning and learning analytics, and it will feature Sandra Milligan from the University of Melbourne. More information will be available soon. Solar Student Special Interest Group is revamping to enable collaboration among current students doing research on learning analytics topics. We encourage all students to find information on the SOLAR website, solarresearch.org, about the graduate students seek and join. And finally, SOLAR's annual conference luck is coming up soon. It will take place from April 12th until April 16th, and this year, of course, it will be entirely online. The registration is still open, so come and join us. More information is available on luck21.solarresearch.org. My name is Maren Scheffel, and I have been talking with Andrew Gibson, Angelique Kritzinger, and Scott Harrison about their doctoral consortium experience. If you would like to continue the conversation and guess the lie, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag SolarSpotlight. Until next time. Bye.